Hello and welcome to the Aftershock post-game show. My name is Alex Morgan. I'm here with Jamin Moore after the San Jose Earthquakes 2-1 to loss to the Portland Timbers. Jamin Moore, you are at Providence Park uh, to witness this result. Uh, another trip to, to Portland, another loss for the San Jose Earthquakes. They remain winless in Major League Soccer at Providence Park. Jamin, what were your takeaways? Was this yet... Uh, another earthquakes lost there more of the same was this exactly what we've seen for the last 10 years there <laughs> yeah kind of feels like it right i my uh, my luck at winning uh at uh, at away home games ends tonight no surprise at the providence park the site of the providence park curse for the san jose earthquakes now some may say we've never won at providence park to that we got a correction on that they they did win back in the USL, but they have uh, they did did have not won since uh, the Timbers joined MLS, and apparently that win in USL was was in the Open Cup back in the day. So, but the curse does continue. Um, you know, the, there was parts of the first half that I thought were were interesting. You know, you kind of would love to see what happened when uh, Hoppy put in a nice ball across to a capo and capo just slipped. He was all by himself, Alex, on the right side of the box. There was nobody around him. Now, I'm not going to necessarily say a capo is going to put it on frame every time. Certainly, he's proven that that's not always going to be the case. But that was kind of a portender to the uh, the night that the earthquakes were going to have in some ways. Yeah, and Jamin, I think this is why the XG stat can be flawed sometimes because the XG stat doesn't take into account all of the shots that could have been. And that was a shot that, that could have been. And I felt like the Quakes had a couple of those because they were getting the ball into wide areas pretty well. I loved the movement that Matthew Hoppy had on the left side. I loved how he played when he came in the middle. Overall, a really solid night for Matthew Hoppy. But they just seemed a little snake-bitten when, when they got in the box with the ball, they, they didn't want to take the early shot and they didn't end up registering that much uh, XG. And in the second half, they mounted a pretty, a pretty valiant comeback there. Uh, but I, I, I just don't think that they, they put their, their, their ball, their, their foot through the ball enough. And, and, and if you don't shoot they're they're not going to be able to, uh, to put the ball in the back of the net against Portland who who are always going to, you know, shut down the, the space after two or three seconds. Yeah. I felt like they were always looking for, the perfect shot rather than the shot that was available to them. Um, and quite often, you know, players like Jackson Yule uh, or, um, or, you know, on occasion Montero in the top of the box would have a look and, you know, they would bypass that in order to kind of try to play the ball in behind to, to one of the wingers or, or what have you. And sometimes on the road like this, you know, looking for the perfect shot, is not necessarily the best strategy because you're just not going to get that many of them. I mean, tonight, the Timbers took 19 shots. The Quakes took six. Here's the interesting part of that. Of six shots, their expected goals was 1.27. So that's actually a lot of expected goals. They had, catch this, Alex, they had four shots from within about 10 yards in front of the goal tonight. Four. Only finished one of them, the rebound that fell to Matthew Hoppe, from the uh, the shot that was taken by Christian Espinoza from more the side of the box. Imagine, you know, if any of those others kind of come off, like those are prime shooting er uh, areas and Lucci's really going to rue the missed opportunities that they had. And I, and I think some of the commenters are, are right here. It does feel like 
the earthquakes are are just looking for the cross when they could be looking to cut inside or get the ball to the top of the box and shoot. I think this is a really astute comment here from from Blake. And you know, when I was last on the aftershock jam, and we talked about the earthquakes not getting the ball into zone 14 enough, not doing well enough when they got the ball into zone 14. It's been two weeks since I've been on the show. I, I took my late summer vacation and I know the quakes got a point in DC and they, they beat RSL and there were both good games and watching the highlights of those games. It felt like they were getting the ball to the top of the box more and that that had been fixed. Is, is that the case? Was this a regression or have they struggled with that throughout? No, I actually felt that they did a decent job accessing zone 14 tonight. Um, but I also felt like the Timbers kind of, you know, allowed it in some ways where they wanted to just make sure that they had things covered uh, for any rotations that came across the top of the box. And, and you know, at times the Quakes look kind of good in those interchanges that happen down the sides as they're trying to like free up Christian Espinosa. But then that like last pass doesn't come off or, you know, if they're fortunate, it gets goes out for a corner or something like that and speaking of corners the quakes had two of them at the end of the first half and ended up coming out of that with a bad pass from Ontario getting countered uh and i think it was rodriguez that decides at the last second to like get behind the defender and keep him on side for some odd reason so it was like a comedy of things that could have gone wrong the quakes gave up a goal last play of the first half they gave up a goal right before their three substitutes were about to come on and those three substitutes, let's be honest, they did make a dent tonight. And Matthew, you know, Hoppy moved over to the 10 and got the goal. But, man, I liked watching Jackson Ewell, Nico Shakiris, and, and Matthew Hoppy for a bit, you know, in the central midfield. It was different. Um, and Hoppy certainly acted more like a forward, I should say, at times. He definitely, you know, would, would kind of stay up higher. But, um, you know, there was some interesting parts about that. And Nico Shakiris' ability to kind of turn and face goal and be able to, to go forward is something that the Quakes otherwise lack. And I thought that he brought a good spark tonight. Jamin, I, I want to focus on that goal that the Quakes allowed right yeah. before halftime because I felt confident about the team going into that corner kick, going into the half. If they could have held on to the draw going into the half, I think they were really well set up for the second half. They didn't have a ton of shots in the first half, but they are moving the ball quickly. They generally looked good, and they didn't allow too many you know, golden chances for Portland. I thought they were looking good. And I, I think the fact that they committed so many players high up the field with 30 seconds left on the clock was just a major oversight. And they were, uh, I, I think, completely unaware of what that situation called for. And at that point, just needed to get into the half with the point. And, and it's not the first time they've done that. You look just on last weekend, RSL, they allow a goal 44th minute. Uh, our, one of our, our, our Patreon subscribers and, and wonderful community members, Jeff Vikas, uh, listed all of the goals that the Quakes have allowed in the last five minutes of the first half this season. There's a total of seven of them. And it's a common time to allow a goal. You know, your focus might be a little bit lacking, but it does feel like it's a bit of a pattern for the Earthquakes uh, is to allow these goals right before halftime and, and kind of self-sabotage in these critical moments. Is is that your sense or, or do you think it's just an, an unlucky fluke that this one happened? No, I don't I don't think it's a it's an unlucky fluke. I think it was, you know, they they probably felt it was the last play of the half given only two minutes of stoppage. And both of those corners came within those two minutes. But, you know, they didn't uh, they didn't set themselves up well to be able to defend the counter. Number one, um, Gre uh, I think it was um, Montero or Grezzo or somebody was was kind of the last person 
back there and they weren't that deep. And it kind of invited the opportunity for the Timbers to get forward in the case of a bad pass. Exactly what happened. Um, you know, I think I think you can kind of question that particular setup and, and maybe they push numbers a little bit too far forward to try to get a goal off of a, a low probability corner chance. Um, if you're if you're pushing in other ways and, and you're creating high probability opportunities and you really want to push forward and try to get a goal before half, particularly on the road and be aggressive. I get it. I think that's all well and good. It's just that it's easy to counter off of a cross. And so setting yourself up in a way and, and Almeida used to do this all the time and leave no one back at times, um, you know, setting yourself up in a way to invite the counters like that. Just, it's just a recipe for disaster. 100% agreed here, Jamin. I, I want to jump in on another uh, thread that's been going on in the comments right now. I'm just trying to keep up with with all of the comments in the, in the <laughs> there's chat because there's, there's a lot of there. energy tonight. They've been talking about Jack uh, 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 Matthew Hoppy in the chat, Jackson Ewell and Matthew Hoppy. We can start with Matthew Hoppy here, Jamin. Uh, there's some debate about his best position. He has played mostly as a nine in his career. That's where he played for Schalke when he broke out. We know he's good at running in behind. That's where he got his debut as a sub for the Earthquakes. Today he started on the wig. I, be I believe it was his first start for San Jose this season. Is that is that right, Jamin, or am I, am I misremembering? No. No, I think you're right. I think, and you know, my recollection too is the same. Um, I think, uh, you know, he, he, this is his first start. I was um, less, less positive on his appearance on the wing. I do think early on he did get those couple chances and heck, you know, he could have gotten an assist if, if uh, Acapo does, you know, stay up right there and, and have a chance to finish. Um, all that's good. But I, that's almost like the last time he touched the ball and any sort of opportunity to go forward in the half. So either they weren't finding him, but my feeling, honestly, being able to see more than probably you're seeing on the TV is that him and uh, Marie crossed each other up multiple times where no one, they didn't know who was going to go forward, who was going to, to stay back, who was going to play central. There was three or four times I picked out that there seemed to be, to me anyway, a communication error between the two of them. And a lot of that comes with the fact that they haven't played together. You know, it's been a while since Paul Marie's, you know, really uh, been able to get, you know, regular starts in the rotation since the first of the season and Hoppy's first start. And I did feel that uh, they both looked a little lost with each other out there at times. Um, and I, I'm not sure if I blame that on the, the players themselves as much as the combination was just brand new. So you know, there, there, there might've been more opportunities for them if the communication had been better there. I, I think there were elements of it that I really liked because I actually think they can use the fact that they're both looking for the uh, dynamic runs in behind, that they're both quick, that they're uh, both got sort of good vision with those runs to, to, you know, throw the opponents off balance. And I think when you saw Hoppy get in behind a couple of times, that's, that's exactly why he was able to do that. That, that worked in their favor. But I definitely agree later in the first half uh, that there was miscommunication. I don't think they ever got caught out, but they did feel like they were getting in each other's space a little bit. Matthew Hoppy then moves to the middle in the second half and immediately scores, is getting involved in the final third. Do you like him there better? Do you think that he is a good guy to have in there in these late game situations in the number 10 position? He wasn't even up top. He wasn't taking Jebo's position. He was number 10 right there in the mixer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just my my thought process on that is he was almost like an underneath forward there um, mm -hmm. behind behind Abobasi. 
um, rather than, I think, asking him to play like a true 10. But there were times where he pinned to one side and Shakira's pinned to the other, and they looked more like, you know, a double eights or double tens or something like that. Um, I just think it's kind of interesting, you know, when Jackson's gotten a chance to go back to the six and to be able to give two people who are who are, have the mind to go forward in front of him. I just feel like it's an interesting, like, like there's danger. It, there's something's going to happen. And sure enough, you know, right. Something did. And, you know, there were times where they were uh, definitely more dangerous through the middle. I also think they could have gotten ripped apart and there was a lot of space at times and the game got very stretched because, you know, players are getting tired, but partially it's getting stretched because those players are not as structured in the way that they defend and the way that they set up, you know, as the starters that, that came ahead of them. Look, I, I love those substitutions, Jamin. I, I but they're fun. The, they the were absolutely fun. Made, and I liked that Luchi Gonzalez made them so early because I think in the past we've seen him wait sometimes to the 70, 75th minute to make those moves. And it's too late for the Quakes to, to uh, piece together any momentum at that point in the game. So I like the fact that they came early. And I think you saw the fact that if you're willing to take a risk and, and roll the dice, the Quakes will be able to, to challenge for those uh, points in those late game situations. I thought Nico Shakiris was good again in this game after his start last game against RSL. If there's one thing I took away from the RSL highlights, it was that Nico Shakiris had one of the best games of the season uh, for the for the Quakes. And finally, I think we're starting to see what his potential is. He had a really slow start to the year, but I like the the direction that he's going in. I like the confidence that he's gaining. Uh, I like the awareness on the ball and the comfort he has he he feels really comfortable dropping into the pockets now picking his head up taking his time to make the right decision whereas it felt a little bit earlier in the summer like he was just getting the ball and sprinting forward as fast as he could now he's able to pick those moments he's able to find the passes and that's that's good for this earthquakes team do you think that nico shakira should be back into the starting lineup against nashville this weekend it's a great question i i not sure that that's the smartest thing to do against Nashville as much as I'd like to see it. And I think it'd be fun. I don't think it's the smartest thing to do when you're up against a team that lives on the counter um, like Nashville does and has a player like Haney Mukhtar uh, who can orchestrate that counter and is extremely dangerous and lethal, both in a final pass and finishing. Like you're going to want players that have the ability to track back and Montero has that ability to track back and Nico, you know, he's 18 right? Um, he's very offensive minded, but his his mind is not necessarily to track back in those situations. I'm not saying Montero does it every single time or consistently or every time we think he should, he should do it. But I do think that if Lucci says you need to be aware, you need to track back on the counter, you know, I, I feel a little bit better about his ability to, to do that than I do Nico Chakiris. And that and if you can keep Nashville to zero goals, and it's possible, very possible, to keep Nashville to zero goals because outside of Mukhtar, they have not looked all that dangerous, you know, in the regular season here. Um, then the Quakes can get one somewhere and uh, and and get get a win at home. I, I think I got to agree with you here, Jamin. Uh, if 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 there you need a game to look at to see the danger of starting Nico Shakiris, I, I can only point people towards the. Uh, away match loss that they had against the Houston Dynamo, which is one of their worst of the season. He started in the midfield that game and he was not able to track back. He was not able to hold the defensive shape. He was not able to press well. I like him coming on in late game situations a lot. 
I don't know if this is the right moment in such a critical game uh, to start him in the midfield. And I, I don't want Luchi Gonzalez uh, to, to be too trigger happy by, by throwing him into the, the, the starting lineup there. Um, and, you know, the last few weeks, I've been all about experimentation. I've been saying the Quakes need to use this time to experiment and to, to figure out the kind of variety of, of shapes that they can have going into the postseason. I think that time is over now, Jamin. And unfortunately, as fun as it was, I, I don't think the Quakes have any room left to experiment. They need a win against Nashville. All the pressures on that game. They need to get a good result against Minnesota. They need a few wins in these last two games, and, and they just need to put their best team out there. And, and if they do that, I'm very confident that, that they will get those wins. I have no doubt that the Earthquakes can get all the points they need to make it to the playoffs, but they, they shouldn't be taking risks. They should be sticking to the strategy that's worked for them this season. To get in the playoffs, they really need one win and, and probably one draw. Um, if they want to go higher than that, two wins you know, is the way to get there, starting with Nashville. Get the win against Nashville. Ideally, you get a win against uh, Minnesota on the road. That would be perfect. Um, but it might come down to decision day to get the second win there. When Montero prevented a counter, it looked no further than last game. Montero was very key in stopping a counter that uh, there was almost nobody behind him, did a sliding challenge and won a ball. Uh, last game so it, it it was you know last game was he stopped a, a very key counter attack he, and he does it more often than people give him credit for because I think everyone's got a kind of a, starting to become more negative on Montero right now uh, I think you're, you miss some of the good things that he does do defensively because you're uh, you're you're looking for the bad um, but he quietly does stop a lot of counter situations um, and sometimes early sometimes it's when the transition's beginning you know, he he messes things up. He gets engaged. He tracks back quickly. When he makes mistakes, quite often he gets frustrated. Quite often he stands there and complains. I get it. There's some things to, to dislike about, about elements of his game. I have the same complaints. But up against Shakiris is the comparison here. You know, who do I want to see against Nashville to be able to help, you know, keep that attack in check? And it's got to be Montero, at least against a team like Nashville. And I think, I think that there's a larger conversation to be had here about Montero's long-term status with the earthquakes. And I think that, that, that Calvin's probably right. I, I don't see Montero having a future with this team much beyond this season. I think it's, it's actually pretty clear that, that Luchi Gonzalez's system needs a number 10 who is more creative, who is going to be pushing the tempo more, who's going to be putting balls in behind, who's going to be beating players more. That, that's, that's very clear to me. That doesn't change. I think that you know, we've kind of probably reached some sort of terminal velocity with Luchi Gonzalez's system as is and with the, the players that, that he has in this system. Uh, and you kind of just got to acknowledge that and realize that uh, it's a, a flawed system, but with Montero in there, that's the best that the Earthquakes have right now. Until Jack Skane comes back. We don't have a timetable for Jack Skane comes back. We, we were hoping that he'd be back earlier. Until Jack, that, that's the asterisk I put there. If Jack Skane's back, you throw Jack Skane back into the starting lineup 100%. You trust him. You trust that he is the right guy. He is the guy that Luchi Gonzalez has been looking for in the midfield. Uh, but otherwise, I think you just got to accept that Montero is the uh, the number one choice uh, in, in that yeah. lineup right now. Yeah, um, I, I, I've heard there's a world. I mean, it's just rumor at this point. I've heard there's a world in which Montero comes back, but it wouldn't be under a, a DP. Um, uh, and, and more, I would say, like the interest seems to be from Montero's side that I've heard. 
So, you know, if he's interested in coming back, then of course the question is, are the quicks interested in bringing him back? And if they do, I can't imagine it's going to be on a DP deal. And I could imagine a situation in which, you know, Jameer Montero would make a pretty excellent substitute on the bench next Absolutely. season. Absolutely. And I think that if the earthquakes are really seriously about upping their game next season and about challenging, uh, you know, for a, a Western conference title or a, a home playoff spot, I think they're going to need to embrace excess. They're going to be, have, have to be willing to keep players on the books and add more players to, to get more players than they think they need in those offensive positions. Uh, and, and I think that he hundred percent could be a part of that, but, but I think it's pretty clear that, that he's not the, the starting guy in there for the, the earthquakes at this point. And Jamin, there's, there's some other positions that are, are up for debate that are up in the air at this point. Uh, tonight we saw Tanner Beeson return to the starting lineup. Uh, return to the back line. What do you make of that decision of, of Luchi Gonzalez's indecision, his willingness to flip flock back and forth between Jonathan Mensa and, and, and Tanner Beeson? What does that tell you about what he's thinking about the, the defense right now? Well, there's no flip flop. Beeson wasn't available last game, thereby that's why Mensa started. So tonight, uh, Beeson is again available. He's back in the starting lineup. So, frankly, no flip flop. What's interesting, I think, is that Rodriguez goes down. And I think, you know, if we have the opportunity, certainly we should ask Lucci about that particular situation. That's very concerning. Um, but, you know, you have the choice between Daniel Mooney, Oscar Agron had, you know, made a return back to the team back from loan. And, uh, you know, and, and you have Jonathan Mensa and who got the call when Rodriguez goes down Mensa. So I don't think there's a flip flop here. I think it is Tanner Beeson has the starting job. I think Jonathan Mensa right now is number three. And in any situation that Rodriguez uh, or Bisa are not available or, you know, uh, maybe need need a, a, a game off. And for all we know, you know, the plan was to play Bisa tonight and, and play Mensa against against, uh, you know, Nashville. And that, by the way, would make a lot of sense, quite honestly, um, if that was the original plan. But the plan gets scrapped when when Rodriguez goes down, if that was the plan. So I think it's fair to like ask Lucci. You know, tonight, uh, you know, when when we have the opportunity in the press conference, you know, the Rodriguez situation and and is, is there a concern there um, and, uh, you know, what that might mean for Saturday's game. Yeah, and, and I, I like the fact that our conversation is drifting towards Saturday, Jamie, because I there was a lot of negativity in the chat at the, the beginning of the show and a lot of frustration. And I 100 percent get that. But this is any other game in Portland that the Quakes have played. You can't judge the Earthquakes after a, a road game in Portland. They will always look bad after a road game in Portland. And quite frankly, there were other important results that did swing San Jose's way That's around right. the league today. You had the Galaxy stage a late and dramatic comeback to beat Minnesota United. That was really, really critical for San That's Jose. Big. That helped their playoff chances a lot. Uh, and... You have uh, four more games this season that, that the Earthquakes have that, that will be more important. I think you have to look at those two home games uh, against Austin and against uh, 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 Nashville, and then the key match against their, their Western Conference rival, Minnesota. There's still a lot to play for this season, and you know, I, I don't think that th this game is a good barometer of, of where the Earthquakes are at at this point. Do you think, do you think that's a fair assessment, Jamin? Yeah, I, no, this is another game in Portland. It's a It's a away game the way that they lost tonight is i you know it's it's bet it's a better loss you know if you look at the overall picture it's a better loss than the way that they were losing 
a couple of weeks ago and coming off of League's Cup break when everything was, you know, languishing. In fact, I would say overall they played better tonight than they did in the win in Vancouver in which they got three points. Like the overall play was better. The interchange, the interesting parts of the attack, particularly in the second half, I thought. So I don't see this as a coin flip uh, all that much. There's certainly the probability of them making the playoffs. I'm sure 538, Alex, if you want to check that, you know, probably gives them a much greater than 50% chance to make the playoffs at this point. Making the playoffs is different than not having a play-in game. Let's just be honest about that. I think it's a coin flip as to whether they end up seventh or best. That one I'll give. But in terms of whether they make the playoffs or not, I got to put their chances probably closer to about 65% or so. I think that's exactly where it is, according to the, the, is it? the stats. That was just the off the top, just right. off the top of my head. But I'm pretty sure that's about right. 66% might be a little bit higher than that based on the other results uh, around the league yeah. uh, tonight, Jamin. But, but I, I think you're absolutely right. I didn't sense any kind of languish in this game. There was languish a few weeks ago when they were losing big and they looked tired and they looked out of ideas, there was not language tonight. They made second half changes that mattered. They had players that were full of energy and fire. You see Christian Espinosa getting really pent up uh, at the end of that game. I think the Quakes are a little bit lucky that he stayed on the field and that, that he wasn't, you know, given a late red card there uh, because that would have been a disaster going into the national game. But it it shows me, this is not a language. This is uh, an earthquakes team that is fired up and is ready to, to claim their 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 place in the the playoffs at, at, at this point in the season, I, so I think there there has been a a slightly upward trajectory, or at least they've they've pumped the brakes uh, a, a little bit on on the slide that they had towards the end of the. Uh, I, I thought this is the I thought this is the first away game in a while where the attack didn't look completely predictable. Like there were some, there was something a bit a little bit different at times and yeah some people complain like they put in too many crosses and but that's what teams do when they get down in this league is you know they take what's available to them teams shut down the middle one of the things i i, I think is worth mentioning is that i thought portland did an excellent job in the first half really closing the passing lanes and taking those away from the quakes the quakes didn't cover themselves in glory with their passing selections And so if they tried the interior passes, they usually got picked off. If they went wide, the next pass coming back inside would then get picked off. So they weren't really building the attack very well at times. And and it was, uh, I think there's, yes, the Quakes passing could have been a bit better. But if you're watching it from a tactical view, you know, in in this press box, which is up pretty high, you can see that Portland would like um, show and make the Quakes think that something was on. And they would immediately close it and uh, and and either pick it off. And the Quakes kind of got wise to that and started uh, changing how they tried to uh, to um, build their attacks. And they got a bit better by the second half and got a lot better in the second half. Or sorry, a, a bit better by the end of the first half, a lot better in the second half. But, at you know, uh, Portland came in with a pretty decent game plan. They were not going to let the Quakes play those uh, line-breaking passes that Lucci likes so much. And uh, they really took those away in the first half. And so here's here's a big picture question for you, Jamin, about about the way that the earthquakes are attacking. And and we started to have some of these conversations uh, on the patron Slack. I want to uh, remind everyone to head on over to the, the patron Slack because that's where all these ideas are are formulating and uh, where you can hear our, our kind of raw, uncut, unfiltered thoughts. But but the the thing that we were talking about on the patron Slack was. Luchi Gonzalez's kind of strict adherence to a positional play style in the attack 
and how his game model is built on every player occupying a certain space on the pitch uh, and making runs and combining with other players within that space on the pitch and maximizing the amount of space being used and, and, and making kind of shapes that, that help the quakes attack. It does feel predictable sometimes if you know exactly where every player is going to be, it seems easy to shut down those passes. You can make a space look like it's open. And if you know, the quakes are always going to go to the open space. It's very easy to shift and shut it down. And I think if you, if you see why, if you think the quakes are getting a little predictable, it's it's because of that. It's because they're not willing to commit maybe to an overload on one side or to to send Espinosa to the other wing or to uh, you know to to move around the midfields. It's all very very pre like pre described positions and 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 not very flexible. Do you think flexibility? more flexibility in situations like this where you have another team that's bunkering and that is just trying to shut down the space would, would help the quakes. Do you, do you want to see players roaming through the attack more? Do you want to see them doing more overloads and be willing to, uh, to, to play more based on the, uh, the, the connections uh, than based on the, the positions? I think there are times where the attack does that. I don't think tonight was one of those the movement through the center to try to create opportunities to receive the ball was there, but they were always back to goal when they did. And the return pass was usually the preferred option because by the time that the pass got through there, um, Portland had already put themselves in a position to prevent a turn and be able to, to play forward. Again, that opened up in the second half and, and Nico Shakiris was fantastic. Um, and, and understanding those situations and being able to receive with the immediate intent to go forward. And he's just senses it. He knows that the space is there and he finds it. Of course, the defense is a bit tired. The game's getting a bit stretched. That's the perfect time to be able to take advantage of those situations. In the first half, I thought the press from Portland was very intentional. The way that they allowed or closed space was also very intentional. I don't think the overloads, given the type of press, would have really changed the game in much in this situation because those any time that the Quakes had numbers, it was always in a situation where they couldn't really go forward with it. So the best situations are to play the wall pass, play back out again, and hit the switch. I think there are chances. One of the last things I checked about the Quakes passing was that they're the lowest switching team in MLS this year. And I would like to see you know, a lot of times where they do get kind of put into those situations where, you know, they're having a hard time playing through to be more aggressive and looking to be able to switch. Uh, sometimes that was on and players didn't know, but sometimes when they tried it, they also overhit it or, you know, under, under hit it. And, and, you know, those can turn into dangerous counters too. So you just have to be able to know, you know, when it's on and when it's not. And there has to be really good communication from the players and Lucci. I like this one comment from, from Matt Richardson because Matt Richardson clearly knows his, his football tactics and his, his football theory. Fernando Diniz, the, the famous interim Brazil coach right now, uh, has played uh, and coached in numerous clubs in Brazil uh, using uh, a, a, a different strategy rather than the positional play that, that we're so used to uh, with Luchi Gonzalez, with people like Pep Guardiola, with really the last you know, decade uh, of soccer. Of, of challenging that and, and questioning the, the kind of underlying reason why a lot of earthquake soccer has looked very similar uh, over the last decade. And I think it would be fine. I mean, uh, to go from Matias Almeida to Luchi Gonzalez to Fernando Diniz, I think you'd have 
kind of encompass the entire range, the spectrum of, of football tactics in the space of, of just a few years. So, so maybe, maybe that's for the, for the next decade to, to think about for the earthquakes. Right now, Luigi Gonzalez seems very, very committed to his game model. The players seem committed to the game model. And uh, I, I think they do need to, to take, take it uh, to, and see how, see how far it can go because uh, they're, they're committed. This, this team is committed uh, and uh, uh, they, they still are in the playoffs. And, and I know there is uh, a, a lot of disappointment tonight, but, but I, I don't think that, that there's, there's panic mode just yet, Jamin. No, no panicking over there in Portland, yeah? No, I don't think so. They shouldn't. Uh, I think that would be a wrong reaction to tonight if, if you're the team. They should understand that what's important is they go home and get three points, and they, and all the focus should be on that. It looks like we're going to go to Lucha Gonzalez now. But if I want to come back to the building, anybody's panicking, it's probably Portland. Press conference. Uh, we'll start with a question from Jamin Moore. Hello, Jamin. Can you hear us? All right. We'll move on. We'll try Alex Morgan. Yeah, I know Jamin's on here, so we can give him another shot in a in a bit. But Luchi, thanks for thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, good to good to speak with you. Um, what what are your takeaways from from this one? High level, obviously disappointing to you know concede a goal right before the half, but um, it felt like the team mounted a comeback in the second half, and, and that there uh, you know were opportunities to to get a, a draw here. You know, you've played Portland numerous times this season you know how difficult it is for the earthquakes to, to get a result there where does this one kind of sit in in relation to the rest of the portland games you've had yeah we knew it was going to be difficult this is a hard place to to get points this is a moment that you know the fans and the environment here in the stadium is going to step it up for the team because uh because they're making a playoff push as, as us so we knew that coming in uh we embraced it in our prep uh we talked about enjoying it, enjoying it, uh, that, this environment, enjoying the pressure of, of now these last five, six games. And, um, you know, look, for me, I thought we had a pretty good first half in terms of our foundation and building like mid-block, building pressure, uh, possession. Um, you know, not just first half, even second half when we're pushing the game, I thought we could be better in the attacking third in terms of creating a cross closer to goal, getting shots off. We scored a rebound goal, right? Like we need more of those and, and just a little bit more determination and in, in final action that, that I know we have in us that we showed last week against RSL and, and we just didn't, it's harder to do here in Portland, but we, we have that potential. So we didn't have that quality in the last third and that's a collective effort and a collective idea that, that we have because we have fullbacks that join the attack midfielders that join the attack so you know that that to me i thought the build-up was good possession was good we had good control in our defensive shape just just got to be more efficient got to get shots off right like it's kind of weird when you look at the shot count six shots but we had a lot of volume around the box we had more crosses than them but we didn't end up getting shots and then we didn't get them on frame so like you know so this is an area that we we got to keep trying to execute and improve um and and we knew it was going to be hard here so credit to portland but all right look we don't have a lot of time short memory move on quickly and let's improve these areas now against nashville which i think you know let's we have a great opportunity at home to to improve these things and 
And uh, Nashville's a very good team. They just beat Kansas City at Kansas City. It shows you their ability to get results home or away. So we know we're going to play a, a strong opponent. Um, but let's move on quickly and, and let's focus on the next opportunity. Next, we'll go to Marco Ukolovich. Ilyich, after they scored 2 nothing, you made some changes. You got Nico and Kaden. It seemed like you wanted to get some more speed on your side. You even put in, you know, you know oh, in the 86 minute there. Did you figure that it was time to get desperate and try to create more offense at that point? Uh, being down two goals, knowing that even you know, guys like, you know, Bobasi and Hoppy on the pitch already, that, that gave you a little bit more speed and maybe a little more uh, offensive proudness there to try to get one back. Yeah, look, we recognize that this game uh, being close to the RSL last game and then the next game with Nashville, we knew that we were going to have to make some subs early to, to not just start with freshness, end with freshness, and also preserve freshness for the next game. So, And on top of that, trying to get the three points here. So it's a tough balance, but I thought we did execute that in our subs. Yes, we did push the game uh, at the end in the 3-5-2 to get midfielders and, and two forwards and wingers that can get service. I thought we could have got a little bit more out of that in terms of volume of crossing based on having two forwards and extra midfielders. But um, that was the effort. That was the idea. I'm happy how we pushed the game with our effort. Um, you know, but the, the final product, the quality, uh, it just wasn't there tonight. So so that's that's something we want to do together with the effort. Next, we'll go to Jamin Moore. Unmuted. Hey, Lucci. Um, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the substitutions, but also, you know, the Rodriguez situation. If you can kind of update us, you know, uh, why he needed to leave the game and and uh, how serious you think that that may be, as well as um, your substitutes brought, brought a good bit of energy, I thought, tonight. And it was really interesting to give Matthew Hoppy that opportunity to stay in the game instead of taking him off for Cade and move him central. Uh, and he rewarded you with the goal. Uh, Nico Chakiris, again, I think two games in a row now, really looking to go forward and being able to receive on the front foot and and, and move the attack quickly. Um, I thought he 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 did well as you know as well. What, what was your assessment of the subs that came on? And then if you could give us the update on Rodriguez, thank you. Muted. Yeah, I agree with that. I I would say Hoppy, you know, has been working hard in training. He didn't play the last two games, you know, and but but communicating with him about things that he can control, right? Um, and in training, having uh, priorities in training and efforts in training that have earned him this, the start today. And at the end of the day, uh, scoring, you know, one start, one goal is, is a positive uh, for him and for us. So, and yes, moving him centrally got him kind of between the lines. He, he did pretty well to bounce passes, keep possession and find himself around the box and be dangerous and create. So, um, Cade came in with energy running in behind uh, and trying to give us verticality. Uh, Nico, like you said, pushing the game forward with, you know, a midfield presence that can drive and, and dribble carry forward and break lines in that way and get near the box. So, you know, um, and, and th that was the effort. You know, Miguel is maybe not this range player to get to the end line, but great quality of passing, range of passing, played some good balls in behind, so created danger. So. Again, I'm, as a coach, I'm proud of our effort to respond, not give up, get back into the game and push to the end. Um, so so that's a great foundation uh, of our collective values and how we want to act and play. So uh, let's keep, you know, let's let's stay positive and, and know that we can have that effort and 
and and reward ourselves with with more attacking danger against a, a strong national. What a great challenge! And for the sake of time, that will be. Oh, sorry, Rodri, hit, hit a pain in the hip hip area. We'll check. Hopefully, nothing too serious. Hopefully, he can recover quickly. But that's all the information I have. Thank you, everyone. That is it for Coach Luigi Gonzalez. We will be bringing out a player for quick questions. Good night. There we go. I think that last sentence was maybe the best sentence of the, the press conference. Just a hip injury for Rodriguez. Uh, yeah. Something wrong with the hip. Better than a hamstring. Better than uh, maybe a, a back injury or, or something else that it looked like it could be. Because uh, he's been the rock in the, the, the back line for San Jose this season. So that was a, a, a little uh, a bit of positive news there at the end of the press conference. I think that Luchi Gonzalez was generally optimistic after that presser. I think that's probably a good temperature check, uh, uh, a good reflection of how the earthquakes played and, and what this result means for them. Was there anything in particular you, you took away about, about what he was saying other than that general sense of, of positivity and, and of belief that this team can, can still go on and make the playoffs? I think, I think, you know, the reason that he should have that is because what the team did not do today is fold down to zero on the road in Portland. They did, they, they did the opposite. They actually put a lot of energy into the game. In fact, got, got a little chippy at the end, you know, a couple of yellow cards there, Christian Espinoza throwing a shoot to the ground. Uh, someone needs to make it, make it, make a gif of that. So we can, it's already been done. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Um, and then a bench yellow. I, I don't know if it was Ralston or it looked like Ian Russell because I saw Ian Russell basically just like wave his arm at the official, like, eh, you know, kind of like that. So I think it was for him, but someone else thought it was for Ralston. So I'm not sure ultimately who got it, but um, you know, there was, there was a bit of feistiness and maybe to their detriment, maybe, maybe it contributed to some time wasting and they could have, could have used another minute there at the end. But, um, you know, what I did like, uh, you know, and I think Lucci can be happy about is they could have given up. They could have packed it in um, tonight and they didn't. They, they stayed in the game. They got, they got the second goal and they kept fighting for another. And while we can all disagree with, with, you know, maybe some of the methods and things and then, you know, the reliant over-reliance on certain aspects of the attack, um, you know, the fight was there. And I think that that's got to be a good sign. Uh, for the David, coach, and, and I don't know what happened in the last two press conferences, but there there have been press conferences where where Lucci Gonzalez has gotten a little chippy and and, and willing to get in it with the the refs and maybe uh, proactively take a fine. And that did not happen tonight. Maybe it's because the earthquakes had two uh, potential VAR checks waved away. That, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Penalties for them. That'll do yeah, it. Maybe, maybe, maybe should... that's a worthwhile reminder for, for hey, Lucci. We're getting we're getting a player on an away game. Here we go. Oh, and look who it is. Wow. Thank you everyone for waiting. We have forward Matthew Hoppy here who will be taking two questions. We will start with Alex Morgan. Hi Matthew. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, it's it's good to speak with you. Uh, you know what are your what are your takeaways from this game? Obviously you uh, get your your first goal for the Quakes. Congratulations on on scoring that one. Um, but in the context of a, a loss, it might not exactly be the the moment that that you were hoping for. Um, how did you feel out there on the on the left side of the field, and then coming into the middle? Um, what did it feel like? What were your takeaways? Um, <clears throat> I think there's I don't know there's a lot to that question, but um, yeah. First off, you know I'm I'm. Uh, you know, happy to, to get the start, to get the goal. But, um, you know, at the same time, you know, the team comes first and, 
you know, we wanted more from that game. We wanted to win. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate that they got the, the first goal like that. And then, um, yeah, I think we, we pushed them hard towards the end and we have a lot of, you know, positives from the game. We got in a lot of good positions. We just have to, to get that final product and um, yeah, keep developing as a team. And especially this game was my, my first start with the team. So I think there's a lot of things that, you know, they can see that, that I like to do or that, that they like to do. And then we could learn and, and, you know, have a lot of positives going into the next game. And then we'll take the second and final question from Jamin Moore. Unmuted. Hey, Matthew, congratulations on the start tonight and the goal. Um, you know, a coach just mentioned to us that, uh, you know, got the start tonight because of the type of effort you've been putting into the practice and your attention to, you know, the uh, the things that the team has been asking you to be able to implement. And I thought, you know, keeping you on there when, when you could have been subbed off for Cade, um, giving you the opportunity to go central was something that was really interesting to see you and and uh, and Nico and, and Jackson working together in the central midfield. Like how often have the three of you gotten the chance, even in, in a practice, to really have to combine and play some central midfield together? It seems like a pretty unique combination that no one would have seen coming otherwise. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, growing up my whole life, I played you midfield did. all the way up until, you know, the age of 16, 17. And then I moved up into the striker role. So I think, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable in the middle. And, you know, I told Lucci that, you know, even though, you know, I, I trust, you know, where, where he puts me and, you know, I put all my effort into that. I think, you know, I, I can play in the middle and, uh, you know, I've done it when I was in Germany. I've done it, you know, throughout my, my whole career, but, um, it's, you know, it was, it was my, I think our first time all, all connecting like that. So it was, uh, you know, nice to get some touches in with them, but, um, yeah, I think that, you know, there's, there's some good takeaways from today and then, we just have to look forward into the next game. Thank you, everyone. That concludes tonight's post-game press conference. That off. Opportunities uh, rare these days to get to talk to a player in an after an away game, and uh, you know, congratulations to Matthew Hoppy. I was I was kind of going like, you know what? We're not going to get to talk to Hoppy after scoring the first goal because. We haven't gotten to talk to players in away games very often this season um, because the, uh, the 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 schedule post game uh, in terms of getting to flights and things like that has always been you know very aggressive. The team always seems to not have the time. Um, I've always thought I, that they need to build in more celebration time. They need they need to let Matthew Hoppy have his have his plaudits get get his credit after goals like that after after wins on the road. They I think they. They need to build in 15 minutes of celebration time into these uh, these away day routines. I, th I think that's that's not too much to ask of them, is it, Jamin? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I those, those flights don't wait. I guess so. These, these charter flights are are, are timed. The charter um, flights so, don't wait. It's a charter flight, Jamin. I, I don't. I don't know how that works, Alex. I'm I'm not an expert. I don't. I don't take charter flights. I'm. I'm not important enough to take charter flights. Next time, next so, time, we'll uh, as you know, we'll get a charter the fans flight when the, the Quakes Epicenter goes to the when it goes to the the the, the next okay. away game. We'll, we'll we'll test it out. I'm 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 sure the pa patrons will be happy to spring for that. Yeah. Uh oh, I think we're losing you, Jamin. I know. 
for context here, we've been worried about Jamin's, uh, uh, Jamin's uh, computer battery this entire uh, evening. He's been running on 10 to 15% throughout the night. So this might be uh, reasonably Jamin's last legs here uh, tonight. So, uh, so I, I, I'll pick it up from there with the hopes that, that Jamin uh, eventually makes it back. But I think we have to be prepared here for, for Jamin Moore to be gone. Uh, glad that uh, he was able to stick with us through that through that press conference. But oh, he's saying his streamyard crashed and that he'll be back on. So I'm gonna carry the torch while he's gone, uh, and and maybe try to uh, answer a few questions here from uh, from the chat. I'm curious what y'all's main takeaways are from this one. What you guys are thinking about as uh, you're going to bed tonight that that you want to see. Uh, from the team on Nashville, what is sticking with you? We can we can do it. This is a this is a press conference now where I am asking you guys uh, the questions, and and you guys can can hop in uh, and help out. So so while you guys are, are 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 maybe answering some of those questions, I will take this time also to uh, remind everyone uh, to subscribe uh, to the YouTube channel. We're over 900 subscribers now. We're hoping to do a big push to a thousand subscribers by the end of the season, which unlocks a ton of new features for us and for you guys. So that would be awesome. Uh, also a reminder to check out quakesepicenter.com and all of the amazing work by our friends Colin Etnayer, Robert Jonas, Phil Leva, Asher Khan, everyone else who contributes to the, the Quakes Epicenter website. Uh, and then uh, maybe to splurge for the Quakes Epicenter uh, Patreon as well, which gets you access, of course, to the Quakes Epicenter patron slack. And if, knock on wood, the Earthquakes make the playoffs this season and have, in a way, playoff game, uh, then we will be, of course, there uh, providing some uh, post-game coverage uh, from that game. And uh, I have news now that Jamin Moore's computer has officially died, so I will take it home from here, guys. I appreciate uh, all the comments that you've put in uh, while I've been uh, uh, shouting out the patron here. So, no more Miro, uh, is the comment from Andy. He was the first one to hop into the chat uh, with this. I think, Andy, Jamin and I already covered this. Miro's your guy in the midfield. You have to rely on Miro for the rest of this season. Beyond that, that's a different conversation. More Hoppy. This is a comment that I can get on board with from Arky. Uh, more Hoppy. More Hoppy in the postgame press conferences. More Hoppy on the field. Uh, this was his first goal for the Quakes. I wouldn't be surprised after tonight if there are uh, conversations, uh, you know, whispers around the league about a, a Matthew Hoppy comeback. I would say that Matthew Hoppy earning his way into the the starting lineup and getting a goal is more than a lot of people uh, were expecting of him in this move. I would say, and I, I really can't throw Jamin under the bus here because he's not here to respond. But but maybe I'm willing to do that because he didn't bother to charge his computer. Uh, I I think that Jamin Moore probably would not have expected that. Uh, when Matthew Hoppy joined the Earthquakes. I don't even know if the Earthquakes had, would have expected that. I, I think Chris Leach was was probably pretty uh, certain that this was a, a Hail Mary signing, that uh, he didn't know exactly what to expect from uh, from Matthew Hoppy, uh, and that uh, uh, it was uh, kind of a roll of the dice. And I think it's a, clearly a roll of the dice that is working well. And uh, another surprise here is that we have Jamin Moore back on his phone. This is a first on the aftershock, Jamin. Welcome back to the show, Jamin. Thanks. I was having fun here with the with the chat. We were making oh, fun of you while you were gone. Um, oh, you but, should totally make fun of me because um, I'm the I'm the empty idiot who left my uh, charger at home, and I'm covering up the the uh, uh, camera here. 
Yeah, no, I left my uh, my charger at home and I didn't use the computer at all during the game. So I'd be able to have it for the show. And of course the uh, battery doesn't even make it that far. And it literally is a brand new computer. So like, I don't know. And you're all good, Jamin. I was having lots of fun here with, uh, with the chat. One of the comments that, that I want to pull up is uh, a question from Calvin about Benji Kukanovich, Jamin. Where is Benji Kukanovich in a game uh, like this? I know that uh, you know, Benji is doing his best to make his way back into the team and, and make the best of a, a rough situation. But it really just seems like he can't get a break at this point in the year. And and I would, if he's not coming in in games like this, I just can't see him getting playing time for, for the rest of the season. Is, is that where you're at on, on Benji? It's really tough to see his way back in without an injury or something like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and plus, not only that, like him and Matthew Hoppy kind of in some ways occupied the same you know, space in terms of the roster. And, uh, you know, they got to try out, you know, Hoppy so they can make a decision about what they do about his loan. And um, he's he's got to get the time. And according to Lucci, he's earned the time. So, you know, all we can do is kind of trust that decision and, and uh, you know, see what he's he's got to bring. And, you know, I think him and Benji have some similar types of qualities in terms of the way they approach the wing. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, between them, I'm sure it's a competition, you know, for time. And, uh, you know, right now, uh, you know, it looks like Hoppy is going to get whatever, whatever available time there is for that particular skill set. I think that's 100% right. I think it's going to be a, a pretty long road back for, for Benji at this point. Uh, always willing, though, to, trying, to, trying to, to figure out the right angle for some, this. some heroics. I, I would love to see Benji Kukanovich get subbed on as a Hail Mary on decision day and score the, uh, the, the winning goal. <laughs> Uh, to send the earthquakes to the playoffs. If, you know, Victor Bernardes can get in the box and get an assist for, for the last decision day goal for the earthquakes, then then Benji Kukanovic can 100% uh, do that uh, as well. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, here's another I, question. Go ahead, Jamin. No, I, I was just going to say, like, you know, it, it that's exactly the type of thing that, you know, would get a, a player like, you know, Benji kind of back and get that confidence back for him because, you know, he, he did he, – you have to look at last season and go like he provided six goals for this team, you know, them coming into the year, choosing to keep him rather than send him to Europe was because he has that upside of being able to go out there and in a thousand minutes score six goals. Cause he, he did it last year. So for me, it's, it's probably like Matthew Hoppy. Like if there's a crisis of confidence, Hoppy got a goal tonight. It'd be great to see what that does for his confidence. You know, Benji needs the same thing. He needs to get like a real, kind of striker's goal, the type of goal he was able to get last year. And I think like that, uh, that type of situation would give him the confidence he needs to be able to come back because the ability is there. We just haven't seen it. Okay. Well, well here is potentially an opportunity, Jamin. Comment from Blake. Does disciplinary committee suspend Espinosa for a game mm. for throwing the cleat at the end of the game? Or do you think the earthquakes are in the clear? I would not be surprised at all if there is some sort of fine. I would not be surprised. I think you probably have to expect there to be some sort of punishment. Is it a suspension? Does it warrant a suspension? Would the uh, pro referee be willing to, to sink the earthquakes uh, chances against Nashville by, by doing something like that? That's a really good question. I don't have the cleat throwing analytics to be able to say like what has happened in the past. I, there are no models for that. There are no models for cleat, uh, cleat throwing um, in terms of uh, suspensions. So I'll tell you what, what, what I will try to remember to do 
is run it past um, the MLS Ref Stats account, who, uh, by the way, is a great follow in case you really want to kind of understand officiating within MLS. And, and he puts out a lot of uh, stats about uh, referees and such. But he's also very well connected uh, within the, uh, the pro community and is, is often able to suss out uh, certain answers. He's definitely a person I'm going to run this past tomorrow and see, you know, his recollection of a similar situation and whether a suspension has resulted. And I'll, I'll share what I know. And the only place that matters, Alex, as you know, the uh, the Quakes Epicenter Slack. 100%, Jamin. And, and that's definitely one I'm going to be watching out for over the next few days. Jamin, as we're wrapping up here for your final thoughts, what, what else are you watching out for over the next few days? What are the takeaways that... Uh, that you've got coming out of this one. What what was your experience in Portland? You know, the experience here is is always interesting. Um, I I did feel it was the best overall away performance end to end since League's Cup, um, and that's something they can hang their hat on. But frankly, what matters is what do they do in these uh, couple home games that they've got left. Nashville, we know, is a tough out. They proved it tonight, going into Sporting Kansas City and just thrashing them. Hany Mukhtar is the MVP of the league for a reason, and he's not relinquishing that title yet. Um, so it's, you know, the, the question will be how well they can shut down, you know, Haney Mukhtar and uh, kind of prevent the attack from being able to uh, to really kind of get on the counter. If you watch the way they defend the counters tonight, it's not going to give you a lot of optimism. They're definitely going to have to uh, make some corrections and, and make some strategy to be able to, prevent those that type of situation from happening again i will say jim and history side history history books don't look too bad for the, for the earthquakes they have two matches against nashville in their history two draws against nashville zero zero last year in nashville two two last year in san jose a draw would be a, a ridiculous result from that game it would not answer anything and leave everything up to the last three games uh, so Absolutely. if the earthquakes are going to earthquake that, that that's how the earthquakes can do that. That's how the earthquakes can, can keep everyone uh, on their seats. I, I think what you learned from this, this game, Jamin, is that this is the same earthquakes team that, that we've been watching for the, the last, uh, you know, decade. This is a, an improved team. This is uh, maybe a slightly better team. This is a team that has a chance of, of making a run in the playoffs, but it's still the earthquakes and they're still not going to win in Portland. It's, it's not, uh, a fundamentally, you know, new picture yet. And so uh, I, I think that's good knowledge to be uh, prepared with, to, 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 to armor to carry into the, the last few matches of the season to, to kind of expect chaos and, and drama and expect the earthquakes to, to make it a little bit tighter uh, than comfortable. So with that said, yeah. I want to thank you, Jamin, for, for joining me tonight, for making the trip to Portland, uh, for logging back on, resurrecting yourself from the dead after your computer died. <laughs> I want to thank everyone for sticking with us uh, through that, uh, that moment and, uh, and joining us tonight on this Wednesday evening. We will be back with you after the Nashville game uh, uh, this Saturday night in San Jose uh, and uh, look forward to, to seeing you then. Bye-bye now. Take care, everyone.